You know something, for about three months now, you've been clumsily trying to entangle me with some female. All I'm trying to do, Bad ones, tall ones, thin ones, doesn't make any difference. As long as they're wearing skirts, little mascara, and still breathing, you ran them at me. Oh, believe me, it's for your own good. For my own good? Yeah, let's face it, Bob, you're a lonely, miserable man. What? You know something, you're off your nut about a mile and a half. I got everything in life oh, I want. Oh, sure, I'm off my nut a mile and a half. You've got everything you yes, want, I'm except loaded. the most important thing. What's this? A girl. Everyone, welcome to the boot. That's right, it's the boot. We are recasting classic movie reboots, so Hollywood doesn't have to do it. Guys, I hope you have a great holiday season. Merry yeah. Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa. Is Kwanzaa in December? Uh, I, I, think, I think so. so. I don't know what all the greetings are, but whatever you're celebrating yeah. this holiday season. Happy New Year to you and yours, guys. This is going to be the last episode of the boot. In 2018, guys. We know you were were freaking out there. Just because of travel, you know, all this holiday nonsense, everyone has, everyone's calendar is chock full of social events. So we're going to take a break for the rest of the year after this, but we will be back in January with a bunch more movies for you. Yep. And maybe some other new stuff. We'll see. Yeah, we're going to switch it up. We're going to make it hip for the the new age. For the youth. Uh, But we're going to leave you with a... Christmas classic, White Christmas, the 1954 musical starring Bing Crosby, Danny Kaye, Rosemary Clooney, Vera Ellen, and Dean Yeager. Yeah, okay. Did I say that? Jagger? I don't know. That really just caught me off guard. Is It It better be Dean Yeager. It's, it looks like Yeager. How would you pronounce it? Well, would, wouldn't Yeager have like an extra E in there and the lesser G? It could be Dean Jagger. I don't know now, but I, I thought I knew, and I think I'm just confused. Let's not look it up. <laughs> <laughs> so, Let's never find out. <laughs> so before Ken and I uh, reboot this movie and take these characters and talk about it as if this movie was to be remade today and never figure out the pronunciations of nope. one of these actors mm. in particular – we're going to talk about some reboot news. This shit is real. This has actually been in the <laughs> trades, on the webs, in our ears, on the radios. Can I do the first one? Absolutely. Lego Batman director Chris McKay to helm Johnny Quest movie. Chris McKay, director of the Lego Batman movie, is attached to helm a live-action Johnny Quest movie for Warner Brothers. Johnny Quest first appeared as an animated sci-fi series in 1964 through Hanna-Barbera. The narrative focused on an 11-year-old boy, his sidekick Haji, his scientist dad, secret agent Race Bannon, and pet bulldog Bandit. The show led to several series and TV movies. Richard Donner, Dwayne Johnson, and Robert Rodriguez have been involved in development of a Johnny Quest movie for the past two decades. Wow. Um, I love Johnny Quest. I do, too. Uh, I think it's a great sort of property to bring back. But as like a live action version of the classic. Yeah, definitely going to re, definitely gonna have to rethink the idea of the sidekick Haji. Really? I don't think you'd call him a sidekick. <laughs> Just make him his like a ad- his like facetious. brother, his like adopted brother. Yeah, I don't know why we're why he has to be lesser than sidekick to me is always just like sidecar guy, second fiddle. Second How fiddle. did Haji end up with them again? I think Doctor Quest saves Haji, f- saves Haji. I don't know, takes mm, him out white of India. Savior. Yeah, I think he just like takes Gonna, the boy out of. Let's India. change the narrative. 
Yeah. I didn't do any research on this, but I'm just already. I mean, I'm assuming that uh, Dwayne Johnson's interest in this is that he would play race. What is that? Oh, that. That's the oven timer. The cake's all baked. He thinks to make fools of us, Colonel. Negative again, Bob. Nature beat me to it. Yeah. Do you know who? Or Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> or Haji. Or the Bulldog. Or the Bulldog. <laughs> I, this is something, because I actually, last year for Christmas, bought my dad um, the original Johnny Quest series, and so we spent some time watching oh, it. Oh, cool. And the whole time I kept watching, uh, I was like, you know who bears a facially a vague resemblance to Race Bannon? Mike Pence. Doesn't that hurt a little? Like the kind of white, snow white hair, black eyebrow. But like also Mike Pence's yeah, face G.I. is just Joe kind of. face, yeah. Yeah, Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> Think of Mike Pence's face. Race Bannon is a hero. Yeah, so would Richard Donner direct this? Or it just says these names have been yeah, involved in development. It was like, not clear if they're still attached or if like that is just a failed version that is right. now being re. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, I didn't mean direct it because clearly Chris McKay is directing. I meant like producer, like producer right. Like what is his involvement? The Lego Batman movie. I mean that that was <laughs> fun. I don't know if it like it's no Paddington, guys. I'm still on a high <laughs> from Paddington. It's been a month. Um, but yeah, okay. Well, I, I'm 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 in. I'm I'm on board. Yeah, I'm all in. Okay, this next one, guys. I don't really know what to tell you about this one. This this simultaneous, you, simultaneously makes me angry, but also I'm like morbidly curious about like what this you person is talking. Sent about. me this link, and I was like, "Why are we still talking?" Well, I don't. know. This is upsetting. Dan Aykroyd says script for Ghostbusters three is being written right now. Ghostbusters three may not be dead yet, as Dan Aykroyd says a script is being written quote right now. And Bill Murray could be convinced to return. In an appearance on AXS TV's The Big Interview with Dan Rather, Ghostbusters star and co-writer Dan Aykroyd talked about the prospects for that sequel to happen and indicated that things are actually moving forward. Quote, there is a possibility of a reunion with the three remaining Ghostbusters. It's being written right now. End quote. Obviously, a full Ghostbusters reunion is impossible as original cast member Harold Ramis has passed away. Then there's the question of whether Murray, who for years has been against the idea of making another sequel, will consent to appear in the new project. According to Aykroyd, at least, Murray could be talked into coming back. Quote, I think Billy will come. The story's so good, even if he plays a ghost. End quote. Hmm. All right, guys. Let's talk about... What the fury of fanboys has wrought. As we all know, the much maligned Ghostbusters remake Mm -hmm. uh, did not do well. And many fanboys are pissed. Many people are just angry for no reason, even though there's no real fucking reason to be upset. Like, I'm sorry that they remade your movie. It doesn't delete the other movies. Like, just don't worry about it. I actually admittedly liked the Ghostbusters remake. I did too. Um, I didn't really see anything wrong with it. I think the only thing I would have changed is that the beginning is a little too long. Mm-hmm. Other than that, the I really loved the end of that movie. I thought it was funny. I thought um, that those actresses had great chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, and this to me just I, – I don't know why Dan Aykroyd keeps doing this. Like this has been going on for him for 25 years. Like he keeps – talking about this Ghostbusters 3 yeah that like it couldn't pass muster 
four years ago, what's the big difference now? Is it everyone's – he's just going to be like, oh, well, people hated that last one. So let's just give them the quote-unquote true Ghostbusters sequel. Will you guys relax? We are on the threshold of establishing the indispensable defense science of the next decade. The franchise rights alone will make us rich beyond our wildest dreams. I'm sorry. Harold Ramis passed away. Like what – I don't yeah. know what we're talking about here. Like Harold Ramis is one of the funniest people ever and – him not being in it is just going to feel really, really odd and glaring. This isn't a movie that if you made ghost quote unquote a true Ghostbusters three that you would want to see. I just don't think I would want to see these actors come back together. Like part of what had to happen for there to be a Ghostbusters reboot was that they just had to find fresh faces because at this point. The way they worked best were as small cameos yeah. instead of being the main characters. Yeah. I mean, it feels like a grab at former glory and ugh. it seems petty. Yeah. The heart is not in the right place. Yeah. It, it seems like maybe maybe Dan Aykroyd wasn't happy with the last version. And so he's trying to like, quote unquote, get it right. But at this point, like. Do you mean the, Ghostbusters 2 or the new Ghostbusters? Well, Ghostbusters 2. I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of Ghostbusters too, but it's it's an okay movie. I th- I think it's just as good as the remake of Ghostbusters. Like I don't mm-hmm. know why we're all so frothing at the mouth about this Ghostbusters universe. I mean, welcome to our TED Talk. Fan <laughs> fandom is out of control. I had this but... I, I had this thought that like there's a apparently there's like a section of fandom for Ghostbusters mm-hmm. that is so upset that somehow the purity of the first Ghostbusters has been like sullied and they're they're denied something, right? Like they're just denied this thing. And so part of me was just like, okay, what if they just made another cartoon? It's, it wouldn't be like mm-hmm. the cartoon of the 80s and 90s. It would be a cartoon that would be about the, the Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis version of the movies and just be like in the same universe. Just, just make that – a cartoon like there's so many cartoons on Netflix that have rehashed a lot of 80s properties like She-Ra and Voltron. Yeah. Like just have just put it over there and you could like hire as many comedy writers as you want. I, you know, like uh, it just it just sort of to, in my head, there's a lot of overlap between these mouth breathing Ghostbusters fans mm-hmm. And like, don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan of Ghostbusters, but I don't know why these people are so mad. And like the Rick and Morty fucking nightmare fan base. Yeah. (laughs) Like, like they seem to occupy the same sort of crossover space. So just, you know what? Just be like Dan Harmon, make a Ghostbusters cartoon (laughs) show, please. And then save us all of this fucking nightmare. I feel like that's the only compromise we can come to. Yeah. Uh, it's just so gross. Like nobody owes you. Like it's entertainment. Nobody owes you right. anything. All right. This this next one is. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Get, <laughs> get ready for something to lift your spirit. Guys, this is the big present under the tray here. Chris Pratt <laughs> is in early talks for The Saint. And I know what you're thinking. It is exactly what you think it is. Paramount Pictures is dancing with Chris Pratt to star in a relaunch of its action franchise, The Saint. Sources cautioned this is early days, 
but that the hope is to build the film around the Guardians of the Galaxy and Jurassic World franchise star. After originating as a 1940s serial, Roger Moore played Simon Templer, the wealthy adventurer in a six-season TV series in the 1960s. It was turned into a Paramount movie in 1997 when Philip Noyce directed a script by Jonathan Hensley and Wesley Strick. Val Kilmer played Templer and Robert Evans produced. Yes, the 1997 classic, The Saint, is being reportedly remade starring Chris Pratt? <laughs> what? Hey, Kenna, let's remake this pseudo-successful spy thriller with one of the greatest character actors and replace him with the biggest action star on planet Earth who plays the same character in everything he does. Ooh, that is a strong indictment of Chris Pratt. I love Chris Pratt, but he does one thing well. You know, like, the thing right. about the Val Kilmer thing is, like, he reaches, he reaches to I play mean, these, like, different yeah. saints. Oh, my God. Thomas More. Choices were made. Do you remember? I think it's Thomas More. Accents were attempted. <laughs> Here's the wigs. thing. Wigs. So many wigs. We, we love Val Kilmer. Val, I hope everything is going great. I know you're listening to this podcast. Um, this is not, uh, this is not his finest work. But the fact that he attempted the range is just phenomenal. Have you ever been on a long journey? Perhaps I'll take it to my home in Africa. You should experience the energy of where all life began i want this movie as it's reported to actually happen now <laughs> i want to see chris pratt try and and pull off i want to see chris pratt trying to make a volvo sexy i that was the car that he drove was like this volvo sports car oh he doesn't need to make volvo sexy volvos were the car of choice for the vampires in twilight they made volvo sexy mm. i just remember volvo made like a sports car and they were like, this is the movie that we're going to. The Saint. It's yeah. going to be huge. Um, yeah, I just want to see I want to see Chris Pratt try and play <laughs> that like he's like some saint from Holland. He's like the artist from Holland. What if they what if they played it as a comedy? What if they sort of added this weird edge to it and it was a little like, I don't know, get smart. -y? I don't know, though. I just don't know. Like what what does Pratt have in his bag of tricks? Mm -hmm. That that does actually make me curious. Is yeah. like, like like when he plays a cowboy, he plays Chris Pratt as a cowboy. <laughs> mm -hmm. When he plays a space pirate, he plays Chris Pratt as a space pirate. Here is my question though about that. It, it's sort of it sort of feels like a chicken or the egg conversation. I think like is this is is this the only character Chris Pratt plays, or is he just hired to? because of his personality and so he's only ever giving us what people expect for the for the vehicle he's in essentially maybe. like what if what if he's a better actor than that and he just doesn't really have a chance to show it maybe well then here you go the saint the perfect <laughs> place the downside is like if this actually goes we can't do an episode on the saint because right well we should just like do it now should we just skip this one? I'll talk about The Saint. I'll, I think no, I watched it listen, earlier this summer. I had to talk reason. about Trapped in Paradise. We are doing an episode about White Christmas. Brian! Okay, guys. We're going to talk about White Christmas, one of Kenna's favorite Christmas movies. But before we do, she's going to tell you the rules. This is a podcast best listened to with an open IMDb. We may talk about some people you've never heard of, and you're going to want to look them up. 
we will be talking about a movie that you may not have seen. So if you haven't seen White Christmas, it's on Netflix. Pause us right now. Go watch it. You're going to have fun. And then come back. Don't abandon us. Rule number one, no remakes, reboots, or long lost sequels. We can't do a movie that has already been redone in the last 20 years. This includes franchises apparently like The Saint that pop back up with sequels every few decades. Rule number two, no imaginary casting. Our dream cast must be made up of actors that are alive and working today. And rule number three, no tender casting. We can't cast someone just based on how they look. You have to have seen their work and be able to vouch for their talent. All right, guys. Why don't you... Grab a cup of cocoa. Mm. Cuddle up by the fire. <laughs> Eat some Christmas ham. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and let's get into the reboot of White Christmas. There ought to be something we can do about it. Oh, there is. We're going to New York in the morning. New York? But you just got here. We got some connections there, some good ones. We can dig him up a spot somewhere. Yeah, but that takes too long. The problem is here now. We've got to stay up here and dream up some way of getting people to come into this place. Well, what, what do you suggest? I don't know. But if you ask me, what this place really needs is a dynamite act. Now you're talking. If we could get something really big, something sock like, uh... Like Wallace and Davis. No, honey, you couldn't get them. They're too big. Wait a minute, Wallace and Davis. How about that, Bob? We could do our old nightclub act, fit the girls in here and there. Might be wonderful. What do you say? I think you got some. White Christmas. Directed by Michael Curtis, C-U-R-T-I-Z. Curtis. Curtis. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, director is such classic movies. Am I reading this right? Classic movies is Casablanca and Robin Hood? Oh, that's a really good question. I, d- I wrote that down. I was going to say, let me. That I, doesn't sound right. I mean, yeah, it says he directed it. So I didn't just make that up. No. Uh, weird. Okay. Um, Very prolific director. Yeah. This man was born in 1886. His IMDb stretches all the way back to like 1904. It's insane. He was also born on Christmas Eve. Oh, nice? well, there you go. White Christmas stars Bing Crosby as Bob Wallace, Danny Kaye as his Showtime partner Phil Davis, Rosemary Clooney, aunt of George Clooney, who plays Betty Hayes, one half of the Hayes sisters, Vera Ellen, who plays Judy Hayes, the other half. And Dean Jaeger? Dean Jagger? <laughs> We're too busy to look at I up. am going to I am going to I'm gonna explode if we don't figure this out before <laughs> the end of this episode. I'm kidding. I don't care. Um who plays Major General Thomas Waverly. I had never seen this movie. What are your first impressions? My first impressions uh, uh, again, having was this our second musical? Yes. Okay. So we did Singing in the Singing in the Rain earlier this year. I think I like Singing in the Rain mm-hmm. a little bit better. Uh, I think the thing that got me uh, – all these sort of like old musicals have have just like banana plots. It just sort of feels like this plot meanders from like different worlds. So by like the time you're at the end, you're like, how did I even get here? Like they start off – they start off in World War II. Yeah. And then it like flashes forward 10 years after – Phil saves Bob's life like mm-hmm. the day before the war ends from a building that like is about to like fall on him. They somehow like get into show tunes and then become like this wildly successful celebrity duo. And then they're like they sort of travel to Vermont after they meet these like two this like sister act and they end up on a on a Vermont hotel where their old commanding officer now owns and is he's not doing great. 
So they have to put on this show to like help save his farm. But I mean, it's you're, just like, you're like, what is going describing on? Describing what you're describing. I feel like, I don't know if it's just because of the time, but like, this is absolutely a conventional plot. Like, we start setting up their relationship with General Waverly, mm-hmm. and then we establish their relationship as a team. And then we meet them 10 years later when they are. Uh, what really kicks this off is that Phil is trying to. Uh, is trying to get Bob. He's trying to hook him up with a woman because he it's wants miserable. 45 minutes all to himself. I want you to get married. I want you to have nine children. And if you only spend five minutes a day with each kid, that's 45 minutes. And I'd at least have time to go out and get a massage or something. So when they run into the Haynes sisters, he's like doing anything to make sure they stay together so that Bob and Betty can kind of have their little thing. Yeah, And so it, it, in a classic rom-com style, you sort of enter into this wild plot where they like follow them to Vermont, but it's because of the scheming of Phil and then Judy. Yeah. I think I wanted more of that earlier and mm-hmm. more prevalent. I think uh, like a lot of these older movies, this could have been cut down a bit. And I think I wanted way more Christmas songs. <laughs> like a significant, like maybe two more Christmas songs. <laughs> Um, but overall I enjoyed it. Uh, anytime, you know, I've had to watch like these sort of big musical productions. They're always like incredible. And the trivia in this is kind of funny, but, um, I guess we should just maybe get into it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's start with Bob Wallace played by Bing Crosby. An incredible 54 year old Bing Crosby was the lead in this movie. Yeah. And paired with Rosemary Clooney, who was 26. If you do the math on that, he was twice her age. Yep. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> ben Crosby, killing it. Uh, do you want to go first? Um, Sure. Okay, so I had a lot of trouble recasting this movie because it is my favorite Christmas movie. Ooh. It is... Classic. Absolutely nothing is wrong with this movie. Like I'm not even I'm not even taken out of it by the choreography number. I'm like in it to win it. Um, You're talking about the literal the song choreography. Yes, there's a number called choreography that literally just feels like we don't know what to do now. Let's just put in another dance routine. Well, no, they're showing you about how they're uh, they bring the whole show to Vermont to try to bring in business, which is a very narcissistic move considering they're just like. Wallace and Davis never had trouble packing it in. And the general's like, okay, guys, I made you. Um, yeah, this was really tough because, I mean, we talked about this a lot in Singing in the Rain. But the talent, their comedic timing, the delivery, like there's a lot of really interesting aspects to everybody's performances in this movie. Yeah, it was really tough. I ended up picking Zachary Levi. Hmm, okay. Who, honestly, I think fell off everyone's radar after Chuck ended. I don't know. He's going to be in Shazam. He uh, he is going to be in Shazam, which is one of the only superhero movies I'm interested in seeing in the near future. I didn't know he could sing. Yes. He, if you don't know, was the voice of Flynn Rider in Tangled. Oh, yeah. Um, He can sing. I forgot about that. Also, I mean, he he's great. Like, he is... Tall, dark, and handsome. Yeah. He's funny. Yeah. 
He can sing. He's got that kind of classic look. Yeah. Yeah. It, it It's hard because I sort of wanted to pick someone iconic, but at the same time, I was like, I don't know who that is. Like, I don't think there is much like, again, I feel like we talked about this a lot when we talked about singing in the rain. Like, who is someone who whose persona matches Bing Crosby. Surely you knew that everybody's got a little larceny operating in them, didn't you know that? Well, just for the record, I want you to know that my sister and I don't play angles. Well, if that letter wasn't an angle, I'd like to know what it was. I don't like your whole inference. I got no squawks, no beefs. The kid played a percentage, it worked, and we're here. Let's not make a whole big mishmash out of it, huh? I don't know that I know who that is for our generation, but I think I think Zachary Levi would do fine. Yeah, I mean, it's a, uh, a very unexpected choice. Um... <laughs> But I guess you kind of have to be a little unexpected when you're when you're reaching so far back in time for for right. movies that don't ever get made like this. I, I I'll admit I was watching this movie and I was I was kind of like I wish there were more musical movies, um, but the ones that come out just like really don't appeal to me. Like La La Land, I wasn't a huge fan of, and then like The Greatest Showman looked terrible. Oh, it was so bad, guys! Don't let what everyone says fool you even if you love the music the movie is garbage we shouldn't be discouraged from making musicals i i just i just don't know like what musical like into the woods was pretty good but it's like it they just seem so like few and far between i i just wonder mm-hmm. if like the appetite american appetite for musicals in cinema has just like died and but it's only lives like on stage and right. I don't know how many people go to theater anymore, but um, I, I mean, it sort of went the way of like duos of entertainers who were massively famous, like they're yeah. purported to be in this movie. Like that was a real thing. And we don't we don't do that anymore. I wanted to ask you, like when you were recasting this, were you thinking like this movie would just still take place in the year it's supposed to be assuming it's like 1954. It's like 10 years yeah. after the war ended. Yeah. Uh, World War Two ended. Or, like, were you thinking of, like, it would happen today, it would be, like, a different war, it would have, like, a different sort of context to it? No, I'm not trying to a star is born this. I, I dabbled with the idea, like, what what would this look like in the modern world? And then I was just like, this would be a mess. <laughs> so yeah, it's tough. I also, I kept it sort of traditional. Um, But I ended up picking Chris Pine mm. because I didn't pick him earlier in the year. And I was just like, great. He has, like, a very, like crooning kind of voice Mm -hmm. um he also looks like he could be in a battlefield (laughs) but then also you know launch into superstardom yeah um it you know with the time and conditions were right just like he did in in real life um you did make a weird fish hook face at me no i did it close to an interesting close to an interesting well i feel like you're misjudging my reaction i love chris pine okay i think he's great i think it's gonna be for this yeah 100 percent. really yeah i i swear you gave me a look like a i I would admit it i i i love chris pine i think it's i think he's great after 44 episodes, I thought I could read you a little bit better than I guess I did. So my apologies. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, he's uh, – that's just what I also didn't understand. Like is Bing Crosby supposed to be like a dashing man? Because um, he's not. <laughs> I i don't think he's supposed to be dashing. I think he is supposed to be charming. He's not like – like Fred Astaire was like, holy shit, this guy has everything. Different movie, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, I he he isn't that same sort of like it's it's kind of fascinating because 
this is a storyline that we now attribute to like women, but it is this sort of like, he's been so busy building a career that he hasn't taken time for love. And so I think we are supposed to look at him like, oh yeah, it must be that. He's like comedy hot. Huh? You ever heard that term? I, 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 I know what that means, but no, (laughs) (laughs) please don't say Bing Crosby is comedy hot. Okay, uh, let's move on to Phil Davis, played by Danny Kaye. This was so strange. Like, I, I was reading the trivia through this, and it's mm-hmm. like, Danny Kaye as a performer was very accredited, very good, but as a dancer, he just, like, couldn't cut it. Mm-hmm. So that's why he's, like, not in a lot of these dance numbers, because right. he, I guess, last minute replaced another actor who contracted a disease from a donkey. Yes, Don- <laughs> Donald O'Connor, who was in Singing in the Rain. Oh, he would have been phenomenal. Um, I and I I thought for a long time because when I was reading that in the trivia I was like what would this movie be like if it was Donald O'Connor and I just can't I I love how funny Danny Kaye is in this movie uh, I feel like Donald O'Connor is just a little more broad with his like Mm -hmm. his movements with his expressions I think Danny Kaye was a lot more realistic especially uh, for this I, you know, I don't watch a lot of movies, so I who, I don't know if this You mean normal. when he fakes breaking his ankle? That wasn't broad enough for it you? It was a little broad. That felt a little, like, a little broad. But in general, he didn't seem, like, so, like, ooh, 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 like, uh, big eyes. Like, <laughs> like he wasn't, like, he, yeah. he never seemed like he was gesturing with his whole with his whole body and, like, with his, with his head. So, in that regards, points to you, Danny Kaye. And cinema of 1954. Don't get any ideas, Judy. I'm not the marrying kind. Oh, it's just an engagement. Yeah, well, I'm not the engaging kind either. Well, what kind are you? Well, I'm uh, more the I don't mind pushing my best friend into it, but I'm scared stiff when I get anywhere close to it myself in kind. Oh. <laughs> um, I guess I'm up. Yep. Do it. Um, Do it. I picked Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh, uh, that's a good choice. I picked him. He seems like a guy who, uh, if you're going to have a life debt to... You know, he's he sort of seems like a guy that you, like if he was to like sort of wield that, which he, which uh, Phil kind of wields the idea that he saved Bob's life mm-hmm. for so long. You kind of want him, you, like you can't just get like mad at him. Like Joseph seems like a really sweet. You know, he seems like a really sweet face. Seems like a sweet face. <laughs> seems like a really sweet guy. Yeah. Like someone who you who you would you know want to sort of like build a partnership with, like mm-hmm. a, like you know, enter sort of the, like a career together, um, and would have like your best interest, like as someone who's not really like his best friend, but is just like the person who knows Bob the most and the guy can dance, the guy can sing. Yeah. Yeah. I I just thought they would make a a fun pair. And I think he's very like dapper. Yeah. He's very dapper. Mm -hmm. And I think you put Chris Pine and Joseph Gordon-Levitt on a ticket. I think people are going to (laughs) fucking line their asses in those seats. (laughs) You're t- you're making this out to be like such a block, but which is interesting because White Christmas was the most successful movie in right. 1954. Yeah, um, I think that's a good choice. I like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I like him a lot. I sometimes have trouble seeing him as like a, a big performer, mm-hmm. but um, I'm willing to give him a shot. I picked for my fill Jonathan Groff um, from Hamilton from Hamilton and then Mindhunter. <laughs> yes. He's had a very interesting career. You might know him from Mindhunter on Netflix. You might have seen him in Glee. You might He was in Glee? Yes. Is um, he the one who No, he's cuz he's he's gay. He played a love interest for Leah Michelle though. I know. I was going to ask is he the one who Gwyneth Paltrow 
slept with. But now I'm thinking, and I think... Haven't we had this conversation yeah, before? I think she slept with a writer or a producer. I don't think she slept with a cast <laughs> member. Um, but yeah, yes, in, in, his, in his real life, he is gay. But um, yeah, you might know him from the screen. You might know him from the stage. I think he was in Looking, the HBO show. I think he's so phenomenal. Um, very talented singer, talented dancer. I think he has great timing. Love King George. Big Hamill fan. Is that what they're called? I guess. <laughs> Hamill fans? If not, Lin-Manuel, call me. Um, For months after Mindhunter came out, my girlfriend was like, like you got to cast Jonathan Groff. Jonathan Groff would be perfect in this. Jonathan Groff. And it's like, um, th- we're doing, I don't forget what movies we're doing, but it was just like, uh, It's know. so fascinating because I, I really liked Mindhunter and I think it's possibly just because it really sat in a, I, I just found the subject matter so entertaining. I also really liked his performance and his chemistry with his partner. Yeah. Um, but it's so interesting because I felt like I heard so many people say that they just didn't believe him in the role. And I think it's partly what they were saying is that they just didn't believe him playing straight. And I did not have that hang up. Oh, I, of what I saw of Mindhunter, I, no. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, I think that's a really, it's a really weird, I don't know, it's a really weird thing yeah. that I think we're more ready to accept a straight person playing gay than we are to accept an actor who is gay to play straight. Yeah. They can do it. Uh, Matt Bomber does it all the time. That's true. He's, he's, I can't believe I haven't yet cast Matthew Bomber in it. He's on so many lists, but I don't know where he fits. Know, yeah, me too. He's in Magic Mike. I think that really throws me off. <laughs> It's like he looks like Superman, but then he his like he IMDb does. is like so strange. But he's also like funny. Like he was the bad guy and the nice guys. It's just like I don't know what to do with him. Um, he is so good looking. It's scary, unbelievable. It's a little frightening. Um, all right, let's move on to Betty Haynes, uh, played by Rosemary Clooney. Um, just a delight. I want to apologize for the way I sounded in Florida. I guess I've always been kind of a silly schoolgirl. You know the bit. The, Lady Fair and the Knight on the White Horse. Let me tell you something. It's kind of dangerous putting those knights up on white horses. Likely to slip off, you know. I think mine's there to stay. I love Rosemary Clooney. She is royalty where I'm from. The Cloonies are the Kennedys of Kentucky. (laughs) (laughs) Can I say that? I guess. Um, that's, that's what it's like. I didn't realize Miguel Ferreira was her son. Yeah, I didn't realize that either. I also didn't realize he passed away. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He passed away last year. Because it was this whole thing about how he had just finished filming for the Twin Peaks reboot. Oh, yeah. And so they like, David Lynch like just got him and then he got... He had throat died. Yeah. Bummer. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I think you're up, but I just yes. wanted to say that I loved her performance in this. And like, mm-hmm. I don't think I had ever seen a movie with Rosemary Clooney in it before... Um, I'm not even sure what other movies she's done, but um, she was definitely like a face that I was, I was like, I can't stop looking at her. Like mm-hmm. she's, she's so, stunning. yeah. I sort of feel this way about everybody in this movie, but they're like funnier than they have any right to be. Like every one of their little like quips hits. Like one of my favorite parts is when uh, she walks out to see um, Phil and Judy dancing and she's like, what's this? Best two out of three. <laughs> she just nails it um i i think she's fantastic and i think it's incredibly difficult to replace her voice because it is truly unique and beautiful but 
someone who, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm typecasting this a little bit, but I think, um, I sort of see her as this classic beauty who also has the singing chops mm-hmm. to sort of meet their, um, I picked Scarlett Johansson. Oh, Scarlett weirdly does have like a great singing voice. She's a lovely singing voice. Um, Also, I just really wanted her to take a break from her uh, second life and just play a white woman. (laughs) Just come back to it, you know. You you don't you're not enjoying the the Asian Renaissance that is Scarlett (laughs) Johansson. Um. The the thing about Scarlett Johansson is she's such a celebrity, mm-hmm. right? She has one of the – no pun intended. She has one of the most recognizable faces uh, out there. I don't know if mm-hmm. that was a pun, but it just – It wasn't. The irony okay. of what we were just talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think that's the only hang-up is that like I obviously know she's a great actress. I obviously know she could do this. But it's like that idea that Betty is sort of this like undiscovered talent because mm-hmm. like the sisters – um, I always forget that Judy like fakes a letter from their brother who served with uh, Bob and Phil. Yeah. And is like, come watch my sisters perform. And then you find out that Judy wrote the letter and Betty sort of just like she she doesn't know whether or not this is like a, such a good idea for their career. Mm-hmm. She feels bad. Judy, why did you write the letter? Because it's good business. You can't leave everything up to fate. Just like honesty needs a little plus. Fate needs a little push. Judy, next time will you talk to me first before you push us and plus us right out of show business? Yeah, and then, you know, Bob ends up sort of like falling for her at first sight. And I feel like with like an actress like Scarlett, you see her on screen and you're like, that's fucking Scarlett Johansson. But at the at the time, don't you think people were like, this is like Bing Crosby and Rosemary Clooney. Like these are our two these are the people that I've bought records of. You know, like I don't know much about Rosemary Clooney's career. So I'm just going to take a quick look here. Um, Okay, so Rosemary Clooney made her debut on a TV show in 1950, and then she made a movie in 1953 called The Stars Are Singing. In 1954 is when she came out with White Christmas. So, like, I I, I don't know if her celebrity was just, like, exploded in that one year. That's the only thing. So I'm coming from this, like, I've never seen this movie before. I've never seen (laughs) Rosemary Clooney act before. It was like, holy shit, like, here's, like, this fresh face, mm-hmm. both actress and character. So that's my only bump. It's not I like think Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson would be so lucky to be in this remake. <laughs> I, I'm, yeah, I guess. It's, like, to take on this sort of very classic role, for sure. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Again, it's not talent. It's just, like, it's Scarlett fucking do you, Johansson. Do you hate Scarlett Johansson? Is no. that what you're trying to tell me? No. You, I'm just saying, like, I just think it's like you have to that there's some <laughs> sometimes a, a, a an actor's celebrity gets in the way of you enjoying like a performance of it. It's OK if you hate her. It's OK to say <laughs> it. stop taking Asian <laughs> roles, Scarlett. Stop it. On, on behalf on of, behalf of all, all Asian, Asian ladies. <laughs> not not men, just women. Yeah. You can play an Asian man. I don't care. <laughs> okay. Um, I I went with a very strange choice. I don't know if strange, probably unexpected. Okay. Um, I picked Leighton Meester. 
Lovely Meester. Yeah, from weirdly, okay, so she's from Gossip Girl. She mm-hmm. was in. She's in a couple of like network comedies. Not a lot of movie cred, which is strange because I think she's really funny. I think she's really talented. Yeah, but like. I'm not seeing her a lot. So I don't know like what's going on here. Like what what's the disconnect? What am I missing? I actually read it, uh, it was a buzz bleh. I read a BuzzFeed listicle that was like things like related to music that we can blame straight people for and one of them was just listen one of them was Leighton Meester's music career not taking off. And I laughed so hard at that because I remember like watching Gossip Girl and then her like sort of having these like uh, weird like electronic pop singles that came out and being like, dang, this girl can sing. Yeah. And nothing happened. Yeah. And it's I was really like, strange. oh, that's unfortunate. Honestly, straight people. What did, what did we do? I don't, I don't know. We're being blamed for this. Are we just going to sit down and take it? I think she's, or are we going to make Leighton Meester great again? That's what's so strange. Like she's funny. She's beautiful. I think she's a really good actress and she's mm-hmm. an incredible singer. Why why isn't she like the lead in most movies? Like why isn't she this, these Why are, isn't she making like rom coms on yeah. Netflix? Yeah, or like why isn't she not like in these are bad examples of movies, but like why is she not why is she not in tag? Why is she not in game night? Why mm. is she not in the spy who dumped me? Like why is she not in these vehicles where she can get a lot of a lot more exposure? Why is she not in the rom-coms? Like, why is she not? I wonder who she's repped by. Maybe she's a terrible agent. Maybe. Why is she not in, like, a prestigious drama on HBO? Why is she not? Is she she just doing indies and we don't know it? I think she is. Like, I looked at her IMDb and I didn't recognize any of the movies. Okay, everyone's assignment for Christmas break is to watch a Leighton Meester movie. (laughs) (laughs) Like... She's in That's My Boy with Andy Samberg and Adam Sandler. Oh, The Roommate. I forgot about that movie. The Judge. Oh, my God. The Judge. Have you seen that? Uh, Wait. Is that the one with Robert? Is yes. Robert Downey Jr. It's in insane. He tries to sleep with his niece. Spoiler. <laughs> um, oh, boy. I don't know. So, I'm. you know what? It's weird. Like, we both seem to like her. She, mm-hmm. even though she's been around forever, you put her in something like this, people would be like, "Who is this person?" Yeah, I, it would it would definitely feel like she came out of nowhere. Yeah. Even though if you're paying attention, she's it shouldn't be a surprise. Yeah, so that's what I picked. Wow, I feel like we got really worked up there. About like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for Some sure. Some people just deserve more. Okay, let's move on to Judy Haynes, played by Vera Ellen. Uh, who changed her name from Vera Ellen to Vera Dash Ellen, uh, which I didn't understand. She wanted to have one name. One name, Like yeah. Madonna. Like Madonna. Um, who, again, another actress I don't know much about. Uh, the thing on the trivia that kind of got me was that, like, there's a rumor that all her costumes had, like, necks, high necklines because, like, her her neck was damaged from anorexia, which I don't know what that I, means. I think that might be true just because I don't know how I have heard that otherwise, but I felt like I've known that she had an eating disorder. How does your throat get damaged from anorexia? I don't know. Bodies are weird. <laughs> like bulimia, I get like you're barfing all the time. I mean, like, it might just be the way like it might just look frail. Ooh. Okay. Like he could just. Um, her uh, character. Her character was the hardest to kind of pinpoint because I was kind of like I don't what her angle was other than just like she wanted to get. 
She wanted. You to don't like, know what her angle was. I know what her angle was, but it's like <laughs> I was gonna say. She. They talk about it tremendously. But like, what's her character? Um, she's just sort of like the sister who wants her sister she, to fall in, love. in a weird way. I think what's odd is that she's a, sort of playing the kid's sister when it's not really where she's at in her life. Cause if you think about the decision-making process of like, if we tell Bob and Betty that we're getting married, she's going to feel free as a bird to leave me and to be with Bob. And they are not, they have not even cared to notice that something is off between them. Like she's, yeah. she's playing it like a little younger, I think, than it should be. Yeah. Um, there's like an immaturity there that I, I think is supposed to characterize Judy. Um, a little more carefree. Yeah. I think I went in a, uh, I, I may have read this, this part of the character wrong in that regard. I kind of saw her as the one who was, Sort of pushing their career to be more show business. Like she, 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 she's the one who writes the letter to get the big famous people to come and see them, so that like they would get more exposure. Mm-hmm. So I picked an actress who I saw as someone who was very sort of, sh- I, I don't know, like show businessy, like. Um, I'll just say who I picked and then I'll explain it. Okay. I picked Emmy Rossum, uh, who weirdly – like you compare her with Leighton Meester. They kind of do really look like sisters. Yeah, they um, do look very similar. Who also has an incredible voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't and know we she know can, this because – Of Phantom of the Opera. Brian's favorite movie. <laughs> um, she was also on – she just recently finished uh, like eight seasons of Shameless. Um, but I just thought that like Emmy Rossum is such a – like very show businessy. Like she started on Broadway and then she became like a TV star. Like I, I sort of saw her as someone who could play that aspect of Judy a little bit. Like mm-hmm. the person who's like, I, I don't know if she's like maybe the younger sister, but someone who's like look more so looking out for their career and is like more aggressive to try and like get them to um, a higher point. And then when they meet Bob and Phil, it's more like I'm going to try and like set my sort of brooding sister up with your mm-hmm. brooding friend. And then in the meantime, also kind of fall in love herself. And uh, we wouldn't have to announce our engagement until it was absolutely necessary. Absolutely necessary. Well, OK, it's a deal. Don't you think we ought to kiss or something? Um, not until it's. Absolutely necessary. Another movie that we did with like two dueling love stories, which is kind of funny, but I guess it's not that uncommon. But I'm not going to lie. Speaking of Phantom of the Opera, a part of me thought for two seconds about uh, Gerard Butler. And I was like, if I said that name, no, Brian would leap across the table and strangle me no. to death. Um, guys. That's all I ask of. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I st- listen. His version of music of the night is no Josh Groban's music of the night, but it still brings a tear to my eye. I think that's a really interesting choice. I mean, I I like Emmy Rossum a lot. I think she's really grown into a great performer. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would be fascinating to sort of bring her back, especially after being on something like Shameless, to sort of bring her back into a like this movie is about showbiz. Yeah. Um, Fun fact: Her and Leighton Meester are the same age. Oh, very interesting. Very interesting. Okay. Uh, 
cool. Um, okay, so I really swung for the fences for my picks for Betty and Judy. Honestly, because I felt like it just came easier than the guys. The guys were tough. Um, but this is my first repeat other than Oscar Isaac, but... Um, <laughs> this is your first repeat ever? Yeah. All year? All year. Except for Oscar Isaac, but... Oh, sure. Uh, we're allowed. Uh, and except for like... Picking people that I may have picked previously? Yes. Okay. This is my first me picking someone that I had also picked previously. And honestly, it's because I I think after having seen her in something recently, I was like, I think this girl's got range. I picked Lady Gaga. Huh. That is, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I Okay, again, I kept thinking about, first of all, I really liked the matchup of Scarlett Johansson and Lady Gaga. Uh-huh. And I liked the idea of Lady Gaga playing a little more coy. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to besmirch the acting career of Lady Gaga, especially after she proved me incredibly wrong in A Star is Born. Um, Were you totally off the deep end? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um that, no, yeah, but it, that performance <laughs> deserves an Oscar. Yeah, it was it was uh definitely like I didn't think she was going to be bad in it, but she she exceeded my expectations like 20-fold. I mean, I don't want to like ruin the movie for anyone, but uh if you haven't seen it, but there is a scene, the scene where he like comes home drunk and he's like calling her ugly mm-hmm. and she, like their back and forth in that scene i think is incredible yeah cuz it it really makes you look at lady gaga and be like wow i had no idea you had this in you yeah it's phenomenal i'm just sort of i'm like i just feel bad for zachary levi in your cast he's the least famous person i feel like but it's not his fault he's he's talented he can do it i mean but like even Jonathan Groff is like getting overshadowed by these like mega stars that you've picked. That's what like again, it's bumping me. Like here are these two sisters who are performing in these smaller shows, mm-hmm. and these two guys come to like watch them, and then like outsteps Scarlett Johansson and Lady Gaga, and you're just gonna be like, okay, like yeah, they're two unknown people. I've never heard of or seen these people before. But you believed. Gaga as the burlesque singer she was. You mean in A Star is Born? Yeah. Yes, but never again. <laughs> she can never play a role where she's a fresh But that was again. one time. She's now a huge celebrity. <laughs> she's Allie. I, I do like how you picked voices over, say, like, uh, acting chops. Well, voices who you know can... Not just like get the job done, but voices who I know I would enjoy watching on screen. Yeah. And I, I think about even like the tit for tat that that Betty and Judy have, like when they're like um, in the in their dressing room getting ready and they're all like, honey, you look beautiful tonight. You'd be crazy about you. Which one? What does it matter? They're both famous. <sighs> First of all, ladies, priorities. Oof. Also. I just I, I love that. And I, I oddly was like, I think this would be really fascinating to to see them kind of do that. I think they could do it. Yeah. All right. Uh, Major General Thomas Waverly, played by Dean Jagger. Dean Jagger. We'll never know. 
If his name, okay, real quick. If his name is Dean Yeager, the thing that got me, speaking uh-huh. of Dan Aykroyd and, and Ghostbusters, uh-huh. is there's a line in Ghostbusters where the Ghostbusters come in and they realize that they're being kicked off campus. Mm-hmm. This is like before they become Ghostbusters. <laughs> and the Dean is there mm-hmm. and the Dean's name is Dean Yeager. So that's where I think I'm getting Dean Yeager from is I'm I'm thinking of Dan Aykroyd coming in and being like, hey, Dean Yeager. It could be Dean Jagger. There's no way we'll see Brian's face right now. I feel like (laughs) you're just like, I have been trained to know that this is what this looks like and I can't help it. And it's true. And there's (laughs) no way that we'll ever find out how to pronounce this man's name. No, impossible. Impossible. Especially this time of year at Christmas time. No way. Everyone's going to be at the post office. Um, (laughs) I don't know what that means. The 405 is just slow. We'll never figure it out. We'll never figure it out. You are up. Okay. You're going to hate me for this, but I love this choice so much. Uh Tom Hanks. Oh, I was this close to picking Tom Hanks. So no, I don't hate it. I I was so close. But the (laughs) the reason I didn't pick him was because I was worried that his celebrity – would be overshadowing the other characters. If there's one thing, but then I look at your cast and I'm like, yeah, fuck it. Tom Hanks, <laughs> Lady Gaga, Scarlett Johansson. Fuck it. If Who there's cares? one thing you can learn from me at all in this podcast, it's take chances, make <laughs> mistakes. Anybody can play anything. Nobody has any minimum uh, pay requirements. Let's right. just make this cast. No, I mean, like Tom. I mean, Tom Hanks. I mean, just all the like the the Saving Private Ryan of it all. He's the most beloved human on earth, and you would want to put, you'd want to save his business. You'd want to do, you'd want to yeah. lay down in the mud and die for him. You'd also want to put on an old timey Broadway show in his Vermont Inn to save his business. His the look on his face when he like walks into the room and he realizes that it's like all these people that he has known is so touching and heartbreaking that I was like it, we need like an American hero yeah. to give us that same look. You're a disgrace to the outfit. You're soft, you're sloppy, you're unruly, you're undisciplined. And I never saw anything look so wonderful in my whole life. Ah, damn it. That would have been great if I picked him and we ended the year on the same pick, but I I didn't. But nope. And that's it. I picked Kurt Russell. Ooh, another one. You mean Santa? <laughs> I mean Santa. The best Santa. I haven't watched the movie yet. I cannot wait to Guys, see it. Guys, pause. I don't know if you've seen the trailer for this movie, but apparently 80% of his beard is real. What's the movie called? The Christmas Chronicles. The Christmas Chronicles on Netflix where he plays – Kurt Russell like has – Biker Santa Claus. A ferocious head of hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really great choice. It, he's somebody that like you can't – you especially him playing a little softer. Like you yeah. can't – you can't resist it. You're just yeah. like, gosh – we gotta help him. I just love the I, I just love seeing Waverly in like the beginning as like that tough commanding officer who led all these men through like hell and back. Everyone there owes him their lives. Mm-hmm. And he just like he cuts it off. He's like, I, I I won't stand for this. But he's like he because it's basically because he's gonna break break yeah. down and cry in front of the men. And then later, when they do a show for him again, this is such a you know repressed man thing to do but he's finally like 
Uh, I've never been happier in my life. Um, but I just think like, yeah, like Kurt Russell can play. Kurt Russell would, you know, I, I love seeing like a softer side of Kurt Russell. Like when you, when you, when you see him at the, when they meet him at the inn mm-hmm. and they have that moment of just like, oh my God, like this guy's like a living legend to them. And he's just sort of the soft, quiet janitor now. You're a janitor. You're a janitor. General Waverly. A janitor. Matter of fact, it's worse than that. I own this hotel. Yeah. No, I think we both made the best choices of this entire year just now. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna end our casting on Tom Hanks and Kurt, and Russell. Kurt Russell. Uh well not quite the last because we got one more to go. <gasps> Guys, where does Barry Pepper go? Kind of where does Barry Pepper go? Well, obviously he's the soldier that is like with Waverly the whole time. The one that's like that sergeant's going to be a private in the morning. That the the oh the guy who's like walking with yes. Him? Oh, obviously because of the Saving Private Ryan of it all. I forgot. I forgot Boom. you picked Hanks. Beat that. That would be so strange if this is like an alternate reality Saving Private <laughs> Ryan. Where everyone lives and nobody died in that movie. Um, I had him down as two people. I didn't really decide until right now after I deleted one of their names. I I, I put him as Ed Harrison, the uh, Ed Sullivan kind of um, looking guy. The parallel to Ed the Ed Sullivan right. show that they that they go on. Barry Pepper doesn't really look that much like a late night host, but it doesn't mean it's not out of his wheelhouse. No, um, he's a suave guy. Yeah, he's a suave guy, and he also you know. He's definitely played many a soldier, so who knows? Maybe maybe he uh I mean he definitely could have served with these guys, probably a little older, but yeah, I put him as uh the show I put him in showbiz. In the showbiz. <laughs> as everyone out here talks. Showbiz. Showbiz. The biz we call show. All right, Kenneth. So before we wrap this up for twenty eighteen, do you have any other like little bits about this movie or things in general? I'll say this. They go to Vermont, it's December. And it's 1954, and there's no snow. Climate change, friends. Um, my only real note was, like, this movie should really have been about the housekeeper. Oh, Emma is such so funny. a gem. He sunk everything. His pension, his life savings, everything in remodeling this place. Used to be a grist mill and a barn. Now it's a Tyrolean haunted house. I do love that part where she, like, is, like, talking to them. And she's like, I just think it's so sweet. And she, like, kisses Phil. And he's like, it was his idea. And she kisses Bob. And Bob's like, wow. wow. <laughs> oh. Also, they must be, like, so rich. Because when, when the story starts, they're going to give their entire production... 10 days paid vacation for the holidays. Then they decide to move, do a big company move from New York to Vermont and pay for everyone to stay in this hotel and to put on this show for Christmas. They must be so rich. It would be like if Will Smith and Justin Timberlake were on tour And then, not why a bad you, surprise casting, I was going to say, way. why would you not cast Will Smith? I don't Smith know. It just came to me. But, like, if they <laughs> decided to help, like, a dear friend and just were like, we'll spend as much money as we can to help this person. Yeah. It, it would be astronomical what these guys paid. So what does he say? It's between, Somewhere between ouch and boing. <laughs> He's like, yowza. Wow. Yeah, wow. How about those stage sets? Really made you feel like you were in... 
France or Germany oh, or yeah. wherever they are. There's just like one wall with like smoke behind it. War. Nothing else. Nothing That's else. That's it. Me. Would you remake this movie? With the stipulations that there need to be at least two or three more <laughs> Christmas movies. Yeah. You want more Christmas music. Yeah, I just I just thought You're it was not happy was with one. the Irving Berlin classics that populated this film. I was just struck at how long it took for them to just get to Christmas as a movie entitled White Christmas. I was like, where is You the didn't Christmas? like that the whole point of the movie was that the Christmas is white by surprise? Um No. <laughs> Okay. I, I, okay, I like the storyline that it's like they go Brian to Vermont. Brian hates Christmas. They go to Vermont, and Vermont is just like a sunshiny, like San Diego state. Like it's almost like a beach town now, uh, or whatever town they're in in Vermont. Uh, and then the night of the festival, it like finally snows. It was just like it just didn't feel seasonal to me. And I and I don't think the point was to not have it not be seasonal. I just think it was just like there could have been a little more Christmas talk. There could have been a little more holiday sort of convo conversation. But uh, that was my only gripe. I just wanted it to be more Christmas. I guess if there's any complaint you can have about a movie, it's that there should just be more Christmas. I mean, see Shane, any Shane Black movie. He gets it. Just every movie All he makes Christmas is always everything. in Christmas. It's mm-hmm. always at Christmas. Yeah. Because no matter how much death is in this movie, you're never going to be upset because it's Christmas time. I mean, I can't refute that. That's <laughs> that's fact. All right, guys. That's it for us for 2018. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It's over. I hope you enjoy our past episodes this past year. We've covered a lot of great movies, a lot of bad movies, a lot of in-between movies. And we're going to be back, I'm assuming, the first week of January. I think, back I think that first Tuesday is January 1st. January 1st. Well, hopefully we'll, hopefully we'll make it. Hopefully we're... Hopefully know. we make it. No, I just mean like hopefully we get it out in time and we're not just like resting on oh. our laurels. I thought away. you just meant like I hope the world still exists. Well, I also hope for that as well. Okay. Don't we all? Yeah. Please subscribe. Please rate. Please tell your friends. Kenneth, where can the people find us? You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just give us a search. You can find us together as one on social media at The Boot Podcast on Twitter and at Boot Podcast on Instagram. You can find us separately because there's not enough Christmas music in the whole world at Flynn B and at Kenneth Trent. Thanks, guys. And we'll see you next year. Goodbye. With every Christmas card I write, may your days be merry. Doris, friend of readers. How do you do? Mutual, I'm sure.